Welcome to another edition of 99 Questions. I am your host, Bob Buell. This is, of course, an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people interesting questions. And join with me this week, uh, founder, co-founder, co-founder of What's Good Games, formerly of, oh, the list is too long to read, <laughs> host, producer, uh, internet extravaganza, everything it's andrea renee andrea how are you today what's good bob i like that internet extravaganza so i want to make <laughs> the next person who hires me put in my graphics on screen it'll be andrea renee internet extravaganza <laughs> that's a lower third right there if i've ever seen one uh hey thank you so much for uh for doing this i really really appreciate it um but uh before we dive into the questions can we just have uh, so darn many of them. Uh, where would we be without a couple ground rules, some terms and conditions up front uh, that, you know, you just got to click through. Uh, ground rule number one, take as much time or as little time as you need to answer the question. Yes or no suffice? Give me a yes or no. If a short story about your life helps us get a better understanding of that answer, I want to hear that story. Noted. Perfect. <laughs> ground rule number two, uh, this is not 60 Minutes. Uh, despite my professional setup here, I promise you it is not. Uh, there is nothing controversial here. This isn't a gotcha interview by any means. If you want to skip over a question, if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. You could skip. No worries. No judgment. Uh, and ground rule number three, despite the name of the show being 99 questions, some of these might be prompts. Some of these in the English tradition of the word are not questions. They're just sentences I put a question mark at the end of. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're just going to burn through these two pieces of paper and see where the day takes us. Uh, so I hope you actually burn those two pieces of paper at the end of this. It'll make things very exciting. Oh, well, listeners will have to stay tuned to the end. <laughs> and if you hear a smoke alarm going off, you'll know it's legit. Uh, the first of those non-counting questions. Andrea, are you ready? I was born ready. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Question number one. What's the perfect breakfast? Skip. No, just kidding. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting question, and I've listened to several episodes of your show, and I love listening to people's answers and how different everybody views breakfast, but... I'm not one of those people that has the order when you go out to brunch or breakfast. I change it up almost every time, yeah. if, depending if I'm feeling sweet or savory or both that day. Mm. But if I was in a, this is the last breakfast I'm ever going to have situation, I think I would go big, which means I would want souffle pancakes mm. with... Eggs Benedict with the hollandaise on the side because I like my eggs Benedict to stay not soggy, to stay like hot and crispy. Yeah. And I would eat both of those things with lots of whipped cream and strawberries on the pancakes and copious amounts of Cholula on the side of my eggs Benedict. 
Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Is there a greater Hollywood couple than eggs and hot sauce? That is just the greatest <laughs> combo in the world. It really is. I do have to say, though, ketchup and eggs, never been my thing. Mm. I know people that really enjoy it, and that that's fine. I'm not here to yuck someone's yum. Mm-hmm. Not in this moment, anyway. But, yeah, for me, it's all about the hot sauce. Perhaps future yucks shall be yummed, but not on this day. <laughs> uh, question number two. Who's the coolest dude? The coolest dude definitely has to be my husband, John Drake, only because mm. I'm legally obligated to say that. Uh, yeah. No, just kidding. He really is. I love him so much. And I think us being together during the pandemic and then having a child together really reminded me just how much I love him. Because I think we all had our moments during the pandemic if you were cohabitating with somebody where you were like, this is it. I'm either going to murder this person in their sleep or mm-hmm. we are going to be able to live together forever. <laughs> it was a real relationship fast forwarder. Whatever that meant, whatever that next step was going to be, yes, 100% agreed. It, it got there a little faster than probably would have happened otherwise. Absolutely. And the reason I think that he's so cool is I could probably do a whole show with you about, so I'll try to keep it very brief, but he's just so diverse in his knowledge, expertise, and interests that it never gets boring being around him and talking with him, whether he's talking about music, which he could fill an encyclopedia of knowledge about from his days as a professional musician and also working for harmonics and rock band and that whole era of Dance Central. Or whether he's talking about what's happening in the news because somehow he finds time in his day to be one of the most well-read people I know. I'm like, are you just reading in your sleep like while you're getting dressed? I don't know. And (laughs) also, of course, because of his incredible sense of humor, always making me laugh all day long. He's just a really fun guy to have conversations with. Just a joy. If you ever get the opportunity to cross paths with John Drake, I hope that you get to have a fun, enjoyable conversation with him. I love it. Trophies in the mail. Nailed it. (laughs) Question number three. Steak, chicken, or fish? Chicken. Mm. Part of me wants to say steak because a good steak is really excellent, but getting a good steak is so elusive. Mm -hmm. Even high-end steak restaurants that specialize in these really fancy dry aged things or whatnot your wagyus still get it wrong you know some of the time and that's why i like chicken it's so versatile you can have it at breakfast for chicken and waffles you can have it at lunch for chicken salad sandwiches you can have it at dinner with a nice rotisserie chicken you can have it in the middle of the night one of my favorite hangover foods is cold fried chicken Mm. just so versatile i couldn't imagine not being able to eat chicken anymore that'd be a sad sad day and fish like no it's just too uh no thanks i'm good i'll pass (laughs) i've had some good pieces of fish and i do enjoy sushi like the rest of them but again it's just too difficult to get it right all the time i think it's really difficult to mess up chicken yeah it's the consistency Mm -hmm. not the consistency of the chicken but the consistent Mm -hmm. quality of the chicken yeah yes uh, question number four, best gift you've ever gotten? Oh, boy. Here I thought I was prepared for this question, but mm-hmm. I don't know. 
if I can put a finger on the best gift I've ever gotten, I could say one of the most important gifts I've ever received was the Nintendo Entertainment System I got from my dad when I was eight years old, which Ooh. kicked off a lifelong passion for video games, which led to the career that I'm in today. Wow. So at the time, it wasn't my favorite gift, mostly because my sister was always beating me at it until the tides eventually turned, <laughs> but certainly one of the most important gifts I've ever received. Wow. Do you remember any games that came with it? We just had Super Mario Brothers, the original. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Pack in. Yeah. Do you remember the days when there were pack-ins and games? What happened oh. to those? Oh, yeah. That halcyon Christmas morning with Vector Man and my Sega Genesis. Ooh, it was good. Oh, it was good. Uh, question five. Best gift you've ever given? Hmm. See, this is, this is tough, too. I, one of the gifts that I'm, I, I feel like the person who received it would have to corroborate if they thought it was the best gift. But Fair. one of my favorite gifts that I've ever put together and given to somebody not to make this entire podcast about my husband, I promise I won't, <laughs> was when we were dating in our early years, he was turning 30 the first year we started dating. And it also just happened to be uh, right around E3 because his birthday is in the beginning of June. And so a lot of times his birthday gets overshadowed by working or mm. industry events and whatnot. And so I wanted to put together something fun. And it was actually an inspiration from a friend of mine who did the same thing for a friend of hers and i put together a book of 30 accomplishments under 30 oh. and it was a really fun moment for me to get to know his mom and collaborate with her on some fun things from his childhood and from when he was in school and that was a really great way for me to get to know her and have that moment of connection but also for me to learn more about him and we have this fun book and from the things in the book are so varied from, you know, getting into college to getting to play rock band with, you know, Sir um, Paul McCartney and all kinds of things in between getting to dance with Usher. <laughs> like weird, weird things, but it was a really fun gift. And despite the fact that it didn't cost me very much to print it, it took me a lot of time. Probably yeah, 15 to 20 hours or more for me to collect everything, put it all together, and then arrange it and organize the photos. So monetary-wise, not a lot. Time investment, top. Probably top of the top. <laughs> Whew, that's amazing, though. That sounds so sweet. Yeah. Uh, question six. What did you want to do for a living when you were a kid? I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be on stage. I've wanted to be in the spotlight and hold a microphone for a very long time. My mom told the story at my wedding of how I asked for an agent when I was just five years old. <laughs> and she's like, honey, we live in Fargo. There are no agents. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm moving. And I did, eventually. <laughs> you got there. You got there. That's amazing. Uh, question seven. This is a biggie. What's the largest animal you can beat in a fight? Ooh. Mm hmm. Hmm. Does it matter if it's land, sea, or air? 
No, but I'm going to say you're going to have to meet on some sort of neutral ground. Yeah, so land then, land animal. Probably land. The largest <laughs> land animal that I could beat in a fight would probably be, well, maybe, you know, I want to say kangaroo, but they're fast and they also box, right? So not yeah. that. And then I was like, well, because I think about mountain lions since they are becoming more pervasive mm. here in Southern California as we creep further and further into their territory. And I think, well, what happens if like a mountain lion like comes into my backyard? Could I actually fight this thing? Yeah. And I feel like I could. I would definitely come out of it with some scars, but I think I would come out of it alive. <laughs> but what a story with those scars. Like, know, right? oh, how'd you get the scratch on your arm? Friggin' mountain lion. Bought <laughs> a mountain lion in my backyard. Oh, just a typical Tuesday. You know how it goes. Uh, question eight. Who's someone you look up to? Definitely my mom. I hmm. always attribute my success in life in all areas to the unwavering support that she gave me as a child and her example of being a strong woman who went back to school when I was in high school to get her degree and who became the first woman in North Dakota to become a chief master sergeant in the military and oh. then went on to do amazing things in her career with the health department and emergency preparedness and planning. She really gave me this tentpole of success to reach for while also always supporting my wild dreams of wanting to be in Hollywood. Because growing up in North Dakota, the idea that you're going to move to Los Angeles and be on entertainment tonight was like, a, okay, sweetie, pat, pat, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> so what are you going to school for again? And, you know, she asked me those questions like any parent would and should, but she never made me feel like my dreams were dumb or stupid or not good enough or something that I should abandon. And yeah. I love her so much for that, and that's why she's important. Oh, I love that. Uh, question nine. First album you bought with your own money? Joey Lawrence, everybody. Oh, baby. <laughs> Here we Whoa. go. <laughs> I, I bet you a lot of people don't even remember that he had, like, a wash-up pop career that lasted for just one album. Yeah. <laughs> That was the 90s, though, to be fair. Kind of everyone did. Yes, it's true. I mean, and not that pop stars or actresses and actors aren't still doing that. There's plenty of Hollywood movie stars that are like, I'm going to cut an album. And everyone's like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great choice. Uh, question 10. What's your go-to karaoke song? This is gonna be it's gonna be a weird one. If it's Joey Lawrence, I it's swear. It's not it's, <laughs> okay. It's Wonder Boy by Tenacious D. That's fantastic, yeah. It's such a weird pick, I know, and I stopped singing it because a friend of mine recorded me doing it and then I watched oh. it back and was like, so clearly this shouldn't be my go to karaoke song anymore. <laughs> I also feel like people have very polarizing thoughts about Tenacious D. They're really, either really into it or they're like, I don't know what the heck she's, what this is. And that's not a fun vibe for karaoke, mm -hmm. right? You want a jam that everyone recognizes. 
because it keeps the vibe going and makes it fun. You don't want to pick like deep cuts theater tunes. You know who you are out there. You know Mm -hmm. who you are. (laughs) And I, after listening to that, I was like, you know, I probably should pick something else as as my go-to, but I bartended for years at a karaoke night. And so Mm. there'd be times when it would be dead or people would be doing, you know, the greatest hits, you know, your journeys, your, um, your free birds and your whatnots, you know, whatever people always get up and sing at, at karaoke. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to start singing this song because it was in a range that I could do and it was off the wall. And it wasn't, you know, Fucker Gently, which is what everybody wants to sing mm. from Tenacious D. Very true. Very true. Uh, question 11. What's the last song you listened to? Oh, the last song that I listened to was the new single from Marin Morris and Zed. Hmm. Do you know either of those people? No, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> so Zed is an EDM artist, um, electronic dance music. I've been huge into electronica. House is what we called it back in my day. Uh, mm-hmm. Techno, if you will. <laughs> Since I was a teen, I've always loved electronica music and... Zed kind of came out of nowhere in the mid 2000s um, and got really big in like the early 2010s and has since been kind of a mainstay in the EDM music scene. And he had a huge song with Maren Morris, who is actually a country singer called The Middle, which I love. Uh, Baby, why don't you just meet me in the middle? Yeah. You know that song, right? All over the radio. And so they teamed back up and they have a new song out called Make You Say. And I, that's what I was listening to. It's pretty good. It doesn't quite have like the snappiness I liked of the middle, but I think I just need to listen to it like a hundred more times and then I'll be into it. (laughs) (laughs) I gotcha. Uh, Question 12. What's a band or musical artist you want to hear more from? Oh, Outcast, 100%. I miss Andre 3000 as Mm. a musical genius. I loved their music, both the really old stuff and the new stuff. I think both him and Big Boy are just like such amazing producers and thinkers when it comes to the way that they put melodies and lyrics together. And I miss them making music together. I would love for them to make more music. It would be amazing. I kind of doubt it. But I know, I, would love to see I it. know. It's sad to think about, but you asked, so no. let's put it out into the universe, Bob. Yes, if we need to create some sort of movement, a hashtag, if you will. I don't know, maybe not a hashtag, but something like this. I like this. <laughs> uh, question 13. What's a song that brings the most emotion out of you? Oh, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. There's there's quite there's quite a few. It's I love how music elicits such an emotional response on so many levels, whether it's like joy or sadness. Um, I think one of the songs that um, I listened to a lot when my husband and I were dating long distance when we first dated was from Sam Smith. Actually, are you familiar with uh, Sam Smith? I've I've dabbled. I've dabbled in some (laughs) Sam Smith, yeah. So he has a song. Well, most people know him from from Stay With Me. um, But he has a song called Latch that there's an acoustic version of that 
just is so hauntingly beautiful and the the lyrics are are wonderful and it actually ended up becoming the the song that my husband and I danced to our first dance at our wedding. Oh. But even the regular version of Latch, the non-acoustic version is really good. But yeah, that's a song that whenever I hear it, it just like brings me right back to like flying across the country on, on the airplane and like listening to the song and being like, oh, I love this guy so much. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. And I will play as much as I legally can right now. Oh, oh God. And that's probably about all I can do. That'll be about... <laughs> That's probably about two seconds worth. Uh, I'm curious what the song sounds like, too. Question 14. What's your favorite music video? Oh, my gosh. I think probably Material Girl from Madonna. Mm. It's a deep cut pick because I was obsessed with Madonna. Probably all of the... 80s and 90s and most of the early 2000s just obsessed as being a young girl watching music videos become a thing growing up on mtv and just seeing her as this incredible beacon for women empowerment and having such a strong point of view both in her music and in her life i just love loved her music i just remember watching her early stuff like on repeat even though it got to a point where my dad stopped letting me and my sister watch MTV. <laughs> <laughs> but those early 80s like videos were pretty safe. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't until the 90s that when, when gangster rap really became more prevalent that the videos started getting what my dad would call smutty. <laughs> Turn that smut off. I told you you're not supposed to watch that smut. I mean, he's got a point. I get it. I mean, it. he's not wrong. They did yeah. get really smutty. I did my whole honors thesis about it in college. About smuttiness or music videos in general? About 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 rap videos and oh. its impacts on attitudes of sex and sexuality in young girls. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Well, I wrote like 30 pages on it, Bob. <laughs> you want me to forward it over got, to you? I got to get on this. I need to carve out some time in my schedule. <laughs> uh, question 15. You got a million dollars, but you have to donate it all to charity. What charity is it going to? Oh, this is so hard because I do a lot of ongoing work with a couple of different charities. I get a million dollars and it must go to a charity. Which one does it go to? Oh, my gosh. You get one of those big oversized checks and you just got to sign who it's going to at the bottom. You know, I probably would give it to my friends at Able Gamers. I... Had the pleasure of meeting their COO, Steven Spawn, who a lot of people in the video games industry know of now because he has done such an incredible job of putting himself out there and getting attention for his cause. I met him originally 10 years ago, which seems like a lifetime, when I was going to cover PAX East and I got a press release saying there's this thing called the diversity lounge and inside the diversity lounge is going to be this list of people and i saw that able gamers was going to be there and there was going to be interview opportunities available and i was like you know i don't really know about gamers with disabilities and how they play games so this feels like would make a really great video package and i feel like i should go and interview steve and take some b-roll and video of all of the stuff that they're showing and maybe we can bring some attention to what these gamers go through to play video games and it developed 
our friendship over many years, you know, me being able to meet him and talk to him candidly about their mission and who Able Gamers is and all the work they do. And it's been so wonderful seeing them grow over the last five years in particular, really getting a lot more donations because I feel like they've just been so overlooked. There's so many wonderful charities, of course, you know, your St. Jude's and your Extra Lives. And, and you know, I could, I could go on and on. Yeah. But they struggle so much to get attention to people who really are overlooked every day in their life. And so I think they are doing such incredible work and have made such amazing strides to call attention to this segment of people. As Steve reminds me all the time, there's 50 million you know, potential gamers out there who could be playing your video games if you made them accessible. So I love their mission. So I would give it to them. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Even uh, then a quick shout out to previous guests of the show, uh, Charles McGregor for making Hyperdot, one of the uh, games oh, nominated a wonderful game. for accessibility awards at uh, last year's, two years ago's video game awards. Uh, hey, he's doing a heck of a job over there. And I think it's coming to switch if he, uh, uh, you know, puts in enough hours to port it. It's getting there, folks. It's getting there. <laughs> uh, so bravo to him. Uh, question 16. Favorite holiday? Christmas, for sure. Mm. I love Halloween. It's super fun, but Christmas just has so many memories, so many family traditions. And my parents were divorced growing up. They were divorced since the time I was one. So I, all I knew was, you know, double Christmases, (laughs) but also split Christmases, meaning, I only ever got to do Christmas Eve with one parent and only ever got to do Christmas morning with with one parent. Never got to do it with both. But because of that, I got to have really distinct Christmas traditions that carry with me today. And I just love all of my memories with my family extended and, um, you know, close family around Christmas. And it's just such a wonderful holiday. And I personally am not Christian by faith. I was brought up Christian and I was baptized um, Christian and confirmed Lutheran when I was in high school. But Ooh. after I got to college, I decided to step away from religion after studying a lot of other religions in the world and kind of just decided, hey, maybe I don't really know what I believe and I'm going to just take some time to figure it out. But what I love about Christmas as a holiday is that I think there's so many teachings from the the life and the writings of Jesus Christ as a person, yeah. not as a god or a prophet or whatever uh, vision of him you hold up in your heart, and that's you know between you and him. Um, but for me, I look at him as like a man who clearly has these documents that are writing about his teachings, and I was like, this is something that everybody could learn from, and we could all take a a page from his book, so to speak, yeah. and go maybe I can increase my sensitivity and empathy towards other people by putting some of those in practice, whether or not I believe that he died to save my sins or whatever tenet of Christianity you believe or don't believe. I was like, that's why I love celebrating Christmas. And I think that anybody and everybody can celebrate Christmas for that reason. I I think that is a a great line of thinking. I love that. Yeah. Uh, 17. What's your go-to drink when you walk into a coffee shop? Go-to drink is typically drip black. (laughs) (laughs) Is that boring? (laughs) No, that's perfect. That's apparently according to baristas, that's their favorite drink. (laughs) (laughs) 
because it takes zero work. Paper Normally cup, that's it. I, I get, I, I'll fuck with like a latte or an Americano every once in a while, but I just, when I want coffee, I just want the coffee. And sometimes I'll put a little bit of like sugar-free sweetener in it. Mm. I am an equal girl. If they have like sugar-free vanilla syrup, if I'm feeling fancy, I'll dabble with that. <laughs> but none of these like frappuccino things or things that have like whipped cream on them. That's just not my jam. It's not my style. Gotcha. 18. Maybe our most controversial question. Spell the word gray. G-R-E-Y. Wow. Wow. E-Y. A blow to Team AY fans across the globe. <laughs> I hate that words, some words have multiple spellings. It really <laughs> bums me out. Somebody was, um, I was in an a online discourse today over whether vampire is three syllables or two. And it almost just made me want to shut down my computer because oh, I was no. like, I don't vampire. know. Vampire. It's three. Vampire. Feels right. like three, but you could also... I don't know. If I was in a rush, I feel like it's a two, you know? Well, sure. <laughs> Vampire. Vampire. Because pyre is definitely two, right? No matter the what, no, because like pyre is two. So you'd have to do vamp ire. Vampire. I mean, just the fact that the argument can be made for both is, it, <laughs> is silly. Uh, yeah, I don't silly. know. I don't know. Almost as silly as canceled, sometimes having one L, sometimes having two. Oh, yeah. This is a weird language. Uh, <laughs> question 19. What's your prized possession? My prized possession. Probably mm. my wedding ring. Oh. I oh. think about if I was having to leave my house and couldn't bring anything else with me, that I would make sure to, that, my, that I'm wearing my ring. I like it. I like it. Uh, question 20. Are you competitive? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am very competitive. I am notoriously a very bad loser. Mm. And sometimes not fun to play multiplayer games with because I don't know when to just let it go. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> 21. Do you consider golf a sport? No, it's a skill. That is correct. 22. <laughs> End uh, of conversation. <laughs> I mean, when you hit it on the head so perfectly, I mean. Uh, 22. Have you ever played any sports? Yes, I played many sports. I was the queen of the extracurricular activities. <laughs> My poor mom was like, but why? Why do you have to do all of the things? I played soccer pretty much my whole life. I started when I was five and played all the way through intramurals in college. And then I actually played on co-ed teams in Los Angeles when I was starting my hosting and producing career before mm. a friend of mine tore her ACL in one of the games and was out and missed a red carpet event. And I was like, okay, I'm done playing. <laughs> can't, can't be missing work opportunities because I'm playing soccer on the weekends. Um, so I played a lot of soccer. I also was a competitive swimmer for about eight years. Uh, my oh, wow. events were the 50 free and the 50 fly, and I did the relay as well. I also ran track. I dabbled very briefly in volleyball before I was like, I'm not tall enough for this sport. 
Also, it hurts my arms. <laughs> so I was like, no, volleyball's enough for me. I did cheerleading for one year and was like, I don't like this at all. I feel like I could break something very easily. Not into that. Yeah. But that was pretty much it for sports. My mom wanted me to get into basketball because she played a lot of basketball, but my hand-eye coordination just wasn't very good, which is, you know, hence why I played soccer for so long. I yeah. foot, though, pretty good. Ah, there you go. Uh, 23. Favorite sport to watch? Football. American football, I should say. Absolutely love it. I grew up with it. My dad was a season ticket holder for the Minnesota Vikings for mm. 30 years until they moved into their new stadium and made it unaffordable for all of their lifelong fans, which Correct. don't get me started on that, Bob. I'm very <laughs> upset about it. Um, but I love watching football. I feel like it's an American rite of passage and it's just such a fun time every weekend. I love football season, which we're just getting into now. Oh, it's, I'm so hyped. I'm so hyped already. Who's your team? Oh, well, it's Cleveland Browns is my team. It always has been. Even though I'm a famously New Jersey boy, I drifted off and somehow adopted the Cleveland Browns as my team. Uh, and this year, for various reasons, I am not very happy with the organization uh, and the things they're doing, but we'll see what happens. That's all I can do. <laughs> uh, what is your team? Uh, if you don't mind me asking. The Vikings, the Minnesota the Vikings. Vikings. Okay. Yeah. School, baby, school. <laughs> Arguably one of the better helmets in the game. And I I respect that a lot. I is it, I is it because it's purple? Yes, one hundred percent. Do I have an obsession with purple? Yes, one hundred percent. My love of the Vikings and my husband's love of the Chicago Bears does make watching football in our household very interesting because mm. we are, you know, interdivision rivals. Yeah. But we share a mutual disdain slash hate for the Green Bay Packers. So there's that. At least you have something to bond over. That's what it's all about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh twenty four. Theme parks? Yes. <laughs> I was like, is that, uh, do I fuck with theme parks? Or I love theme parks. My dad brought me and my sister to theme parks every summer. We would go to this place called Valley Fair outside uh, of Minneapolis Metro. Love, love, love roller coasters, thrill rides. I don't repeat, do not do the spinning cup rides. Oh, those are classic. something about the way the inertia works just makes me want to hurl. So, like the teacups at Disneyland, don't mm -hmm. do that one that's sometimes called the tornado at fairs, where you're like standing up on your back and it goes around in a circle. Yep, mm -mm, don't do that. But like the zipper, the one that goes around like a caterpillar, and then the individual cars spin as it's going around. I'll ride that all day. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. I'm intrigued. <laughs> uh, question 25. Dubbed the Ron Bennington after famous radio personality. You're standing in a wrestling ring, and a wave of nine-year-olds, a random mix of boys and girls, are coming down to that ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds do you think you could beat in this fight? Are my fighting them all at the same time? That is correct. It is one solid wave of X. And you think you could probably take X on at once, but if it was X plus one, you'd probably lose. So I'm Neo fighting Mr. Smith. That is correct. 
Okay. Um, hmm. but, but Mr. Smith is a nine-year-old. <laughs> Same suit. <laughs> nine-year-olds are surprisingly fast and stronger than you think they are. Yeah. Their speed is really, I think, what would get me as somebody who's, you know, not as young as I used to be. <laughs> I think I could probably successfully take on three nine-year-olds okay okay and a mountain lion don't forget <laughs> three, three nine-year-olds and a mountain lion the three are the opening match the mountain lion's the main event <laughs> yeah, we got to exactly. give the people what they want <laughs> uh question 26 what's a game you know you can win rock band Ooh. or guitar hero either one depending on you know which difficulty level though I was very, very proficient at expert, but I'm a little out of practice. But if you put it on hard, I would crush that. 100% it. I like it. I like it. 27. What topic can you discuss the most? I mean, I would say video games because I literally do it for a living. That yeah. feels like a gotcha, easy, easy answer. <laughs> if we take video games out of the equation, since it is my job, I would say probably uh, wine or spirits, mm. alcohol, drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Something in a glass, yeah. I was a professional bartender for many years, and I started a side project during the pandemic called What's Good Wine, but I only got a couple of episodes published before I got pregnant. <laughs> kind of put a damper on my plans to take <laughs> more stuff about alcohol. But yeah, I could talk about it for a long time. I love it. I love wine. I love teaching people about wine. I love expanding people's opinions and ideas about what they think wine is. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, question 28. Favorite place you visited? Oh, that's so tough. Because <laughs> oh, I have so many places that I've loved, and there's so many wonderful places in the world. but. Some one, one place that holds a lot of really special memories for me is a small town off the coast of Brava in Spain on the Mediterranean side called La Scala. And mm. it's in the Catalan region that's just below the French border. And I found this little town because I became friends with a foreign exchange student in high school who was from Belgium. And her family had a summer apartment in this sleepy little town that they would go to every summer. Yeah. And when I graduated high school, my friend said, I would love for you to come and spend time with me at the beach in our summer home. And I said, well, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. But I mean, this was a pre-cell phone era pre-smartphones. I mean, if you wanted to call internationally, you literally had to use a calling card. You remember those, Bob? Oh, I do. Oh, um, I do. I used to have mine memorized along with the pin because I was I used it so much. I had like the 16-digit account number like memorized. Um, and I begged my mom to go and she was like, if you can help earn the money to do it, to pay for the ticket, I'll let you go. And I was like, okay. So I asked everybody at graduation. I was like, don't give me any presents. I just want money for my travel fund. <laughs> and at the time, I was hosting at a restaurant called Bennigan's. I don't know oh, if you're familiar. Oh, I'm I'm a <laughs> Bennigan's fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I was picking up extra shifts and saving money. And then I got to go spend 
I spent three weeks in Europe total, but we spent half of it, like 10 days, almost two weeks in this town. And it was just a wonderful, amazing experience with no wow. cell phones, no digital cameras. I had one of those like wind up, you know, those wind up cameras. Yeah. The very ones. satisfying click wheel. Yeah. Yes. So I had like four of those in my luggage. I tra- Do you remember traveler's checks? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that such a foreign concept? I bet if you talked about what traveler's checks were to like any 20-year-old, they'd think you were crazy. But in order to be able to spend money, because this was pre-Euro, the Euro yeah. and the European Union hadn't been formed yet. So in order to spend American dollars across multiple countries, literally anywhere in the world, you would have to go to the bank and use cash to buy these things called traveler's checks that you would then use at businesses when you were traveling internationally and if you lost them it's literally like losing cash so you have to like hold on to them like for dear life and when you're gone for like three weeks and you don't have an atm card to pull money out of an atm in europe it's like this is my whole life i can't lose these travelers checks (laughs) this is good as gold yeah yeah uh I'm slowly turning to dust as all these <laughs> older references are brought I'm in. I'm sorry. This is what happens when you invite an old on your show. <laughs> an old. Oh, gosh. Uh, question, question 29. What's your catchphrase? Uh, it's probably what's good now because I say it all the time. Yeah. Not only for my show, but I just find myself saying it. Um. It was like a catchphrase, but another um, catchphrase I like to use that's less of a catchphrase and more of like a piece of wisdom that I always drop all the time is you can't get what you don't ask for. Hmm. I say it all the time. Can't get what you don't ask for. It applies in many different life situations. Yeah. No, I can see it. Uh, Question 30. What's the best costume or cosplay? you ever wore i've never done an official cosplay mm-hmm. i've done some quick and dirty fake cosplays when i've been <laughs> doing packages and video shoots at comic-con and i was like i guess i'll dress up as the flash but it was very much me just buying a halloween costume so that does not count uh, as cosplay yeah. but for costumes i've had some good ones over the years two of my favorites one is poison ivy because mm. the red hair just kind of lends itself to poison ivy. And I did like full face paint. I didn't do full body paint because I was like, that's too much of a commitment. It's a um, lot, yeah. So that was really fun. And then my other favorite costume that I dressed up, I probably dressed up as her for Halloween like four or five years running, was Princess Peach. Because I have a diehard um. love relationship with Princess Peach and Super Mario Brothers. That goes obviously way back, as we discussed earlier in the episode. Certainly. <laughs> She was not in that first castle. She was not in the first seven castles, in fact. No, it turns out. <laughs> These were very well hidden. Uh, 31. Have you ever had anything named after you? I feel like the answer is yes, because there's something that comes to mind. Hmm. But I guess it technically wasn't named after me. It was named after the show. Somebody got a brick in a church in Scotland for us. Like they were, you know how you can like buy stars oh, and name it after people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Somebody like sent us the certificate saying that this was like a trip that they went on and they wanted to commemorate our show. And so they got a brick with our name on it in this random church somewhere. And I was it's, like, that's 
cool. I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever get there to see it, but I love the idea that somewhere in Europe there's this thing that exists that has what's good games on it. That's very cool. Yeah. I like the idea of it like in a row. It's like it's to Uncle Steve to Aunt Jennifer to what's good games. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love it. Uh, 32. Hobby you've dedicated the most time to. Definitely video games, 100%. It's tough when your hobby and your work collide because sometimes it's difficult to set aside space for when you're doing something that's just pleasurable because you love doing it and doing it because you have to do it. And I know that sounds like a big, you know, first world problems thing to a lot of people being like, oh, sorry that your job is playing video games. (laughs) And I was like, I wish my job was playing video games. How dare you think that's what it is? It's mostly answering email like your job. So shut up. Um, Which is most of our jobs these days. It's just answering pointless emails. But that is correct. Yeah. I, I do love playing, and I wish I got to play more. I sadly don't get to play as much as I used to. No. That's another thing of aging. It's just how it goes, sadly. Uh, even though I've gotten a lot of Vampire Survivor in this year, let me tell you. A friend uh, of mine, Rihanna, my co-host on the show, was just going on about how obsessed she is with that game. Uh, it is my. It is going to be my game of the year. Like, I have what? no really? doubt in my mind. So over do I have Elden to play Ring, this? over Kirby, over every. It's three bucks. And if you got Game Pass, it's it's already on there. Uh, I I know, but I was like, oh, she's playing it on her Steam Deck. And so she's like, you should play it on Steam Deck. And I was like, I don't have a Steam Deck. But if it's on Game Pass, is it on PC Game Pass or Xbox Game Pass? uh, PC only. um, That means I have to sit at my production computer. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, I have like 80 something hours in it. It's so. Okay, dang. That's impressive. It's so good. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll give it a go before the end of the year. Okay, yeah, give it an hour. I everyone I've told that to, it it has like forty hours in it. So, I, I just highly recommend. It. That's all. Uh, this is not paid by Vampire Survivor, by the way. This is just <laughs> genuinely coming from me. But if you would like to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> DMs are open. Uh, thirty-three. Who's a celebrity? You've had a crush on. Hmm. Where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the, you know, the most recent one is probably Ryan Reynolds. Mm, Strong choice. He's just so versatile. He's funny. He's charming. He can be Deadpool. (laughs) He owns he can, a cell phone he can be, company he, now? He does. He, he can be in a romantic comedy, you know, yeah. alongside Sandra Bullock. I love that movie. Betty White, um, yeah. You know, he's he's great. I, I find zero flaws in this. An excellent choice. 34. What's the strangest job you've ever had? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So many. I've had so many weird jobs. <laughs> um, so the one that I, I like to tell people about, because a lot of times people are like, wait, how is this a job? When I was in college, I spent my junior year in Los Angeles as part of the National Student Exchange, which is like a foreign exchange student program, but within the United States where you can oh. spend one semester or a full year at a different school in the network, but pay your home school's tuition. And oh. it was really great for me as somebody who was going to the University of Minnesota because I always wanted to go to Los Angeles and go to school in L.A. because I knew I wanted to move 
you know, to become Mary Hart on Entertainment Tonight. But, a, you know, an out-of-state residence tuition in California was just out of reach for me. And so I took the opportunity to study there for one year. And while I was there, I was like, well, I need to get a job. And getting to and from a restaurant was just a little too difficult. And the hours were too too much with me being in school on this program. And a friend of mine was like, hey, I picked up this random job working at this image scanning company. And they're looking for extra people. Hmm. It paid like $10 an hour, which was a lot back then, which, you know, was like, yeah, for me, I was like, that sounds great. And I got there and I didn't really know what to expect. But this company essentially took large volumes of paper documents from banks and other institutions and prepared them for digitization. So we would get these giant boxes of documents and I would sit at a table with a staple remover and just remove staples for like eight hours at a time. Sometimes four-hour shifts, sometimes six. <laughs> I just sit there, remove staples, and then put them back in the box. And then when I had been there long enough, I got promoted to the front room oh. where I got to take the documents that had been demetaled from paper clips and staples <laughs> and whatnot, and I got to put them in the sorting machine, which like shook them so that they were all lined up so that I could take the big stack and put it into this like commercial scanning machine. And that was nice because I was in that room alone so I could listen to the radio. And so it helped the time go by because in the main yeah. room, it was just rows of tables of people sitting at tables just silently just... like removing staples and paper clips from documents. <laughs> wow. What a... Yeah, that is wild. That feels like a random background scene in like a Willy Wonka movie or something. Just like rows of papers and tables and... Yes. <laughs> And it was a really weird job because sometimes you would get stacks and folders that were really easy. Like working with the mortgage companies was the easiest because all of the papers were pretty uniform. But sometimes mm. banks would send people's like personal records and you'd get people's uh, files of like receipts that are all like different sizes and shapes. Yeah. And some of them were on thermal paper and some not. And it was like really hard to set them up so when we would get them we would have to like tape them to a bigger sheet of paper in order to get them to go through the machine because otherwise it would get caught and heaven forbid the scanning company has a paper jam in the scanning machine because it would shut the whole operation down it's their what it's in the name it's their one big thing yeah, <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> wow yeah I'd, I'd say that qualifies for weirdest job yeah uh 35 a book you'd recommend the world to read Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I am a huge fan of fantasy literature, dating back to when my father first introduced me to Tolkien. Mm. Just been a big fan of, of fantasy my whole life. And I got introduced to Brandon Sanderson through The Wheel of Time, which was recently popularized by the Amazon Prime series that came out, which was I really enjoyed and I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. Um, but I... Didn't really know much about Brandon Sanderson until he teamed up with Robert Jordan to finish that series. And then I started reading his his work and just fell in love with all of the world building and, and the writing that he does. And such a prolific writer, too. And I, what I love about his writing is that he just makes stories approachable for all different kinds of readers. And I don't feel he takes dark and twisty storylines and makes it the forefront. 
George R. R. Martin does, for example, and it gets kind yeah. of icky sometimes. And you're like, I don't want to, I don't want this grossness in my in my book. I'm trying to have a good time here. Yeah. Um. So the Stormlight Archive is the franchise. The Way of Kings is book one of that series, and it's just wonderful. Um. If if, if too high fantasy isn't super your thing, uh, even though it's kind of fantasy sci-fi, we're really nitpick about it. Um, the Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss was also life-changing for me. Um, what a brilliant writer to be able to go back and reread that book and discover things that you missed the first four or five times you read it. And I know that you always miss something the first time you read a book and you go back and you're like, oh, I, you pick up something new every time. But the way that Patrick Rothfuss writes is... Uh, cut from a different cloth like the way that he interweaves storytelling and things that you didn't see not just that you missed it because you skipped a paragraph or you were tired when you're reading a passage but like when i say you see it differently it's like you're like your mind you have like a mind blown kind of emoji moment where you're like whoa i totally didn't see that the first time and that's what i really love about his writing so those are two books that i would highly recommend well very cool very cool 36. What's a movie that always makes you laugh? <laughs> there's so there's so many dumb ones. Um <laughs> Zoolander? <laughs> Strong choice. <laughs> I hated that movie when I first saw it. My college roommates would not stop watching it. And I would come up from class and be like, you're watching this fucking movie again? I'm so <laughs> over this movie. And then like I succumbed. And I was like, now I can't not laugh when I watch it. It's great. Uh, no, it's it's fantastic. Uh, thirty-seven. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Uh, my gosh. Um, I mean, the worst movie that I've ever seen that comes to mind is Irreversible, but I really don't want to talk about why that movie is bad. It's just like so hmm. graphic in a very horrific way. Gotcha. There, there is some. I mean, do you know? Do you know of that movie? I. Not really. No, it's, it's not coming it's to mind. It's the only movie I ever had to get from like one of those off-label video stores because Blockbuster wouldn't show it because oh. it was un I think it was unrated. Um but it's Monica Bellucci and oh that other famous French actor whose name is escaping me. He was in Ocean's 12, I think. Um but he's he's super famous. Um, there's some other famous people in it too. I mean, it's honestly pretty some br pretty brilliant um, cinematography, but just a really graphically violent movie mm. in a really dark way that that will haunt you. Um, and it was banned from a lot of places. Oh wow! Um, so I would say that was probably the worst movie. I wish I if I could go back and unsee that movie, I would. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. 38. Who's your favorite actor or actress? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. Favorite actor or actress? Gosh. I, I'm going to make an unpopular pick. Oh, boy. I will watch anything that Tom Cruise is in. And I know he's so problematic as a person. <laughs> Just a complete a complete like tire fire of problems oh yeah um but dang he makes good movies it really does he picks them really well uh 
even even ones that he's not especially great in, he ju- just chooses movies that are exceptional. Yeah. Yes. They're just so many of them are just so good. I mean, Maverick is just the most recent like amazing movie, but um Edge of Tomorrow is probably one of my favorites. Just mm. just love that. Maybe it's yeah. because Emily Blunt is also genius in that movie. Live Die Repeat was the the new subtitle name they gave it because nobody knew what the heck was going on in Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> Um, but if you guys have never seen that movie and you're listening to the show, I cannot recommend that movie enough. Just, just brilliant. And this is not sponsored by Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it did come out like 10 years ago or something. It was a while ago. <laughs> but again, DMs are open. If, uh, Emily Blunt wants to, you know, uh, get sponsored or something. I don't know. Uh, question 39. How cool was it in Jurassic Park when the raptors were running through the kitchen? <laughs> I would say not that cool because I was a kid when I first saw that scene and I almost peed my pants. Yeah, that is something I'm finding out on this show that I found it to be the coolest thing on earth and everyone else finds it to be the most terrifying thing that's ever happened to them. About these dinosaurs with giant claws or about to rip the faces off these kids? (laughs) They can open the door. They open the door. Oh, man. That scene where they're trying to get the... The panel down for like the dumb waiter or whatever they're in. I was just yeah. like, please don't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. Uh question 40. First show as a kid you got really into. My little pony. Mmm. Good choice. Good choice. Child of the 80s. That's all I can say, you know. Yeah. Uh 41. Who should play you in a movie of your life? I get a celebrity lookalike comparison to Katy Perry a lot. I don't know how good of an actress she is. Has she acted anything? I don't know if she has. I think she was in one, like, Gym Class Heroes music video. But other than that, I don't think she's done a whole lot of acting. Yeah. She could maybe do it. Emily Blunt, man. Let's just go back to her. She's yeah. versatile. <laughs> she could do it. You let Katy Perry audition, but you know you're giving it to Blunt. <laughs> you know, like, she's getting the role. Yeah. Uh, 42. Who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met in person? Uh, well, this is, this is tough, because I spent a lot of my career interviewing celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> so- um, the biggest, uh, it might be, it might be subjective. Um, probably Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, Anthony Hopkins, maybe. Pretty. I'm trying to think of somebody who's like really recognizable because I, obviously those, both of those actors have gravitas and have, are huge, like top of the top A-listers, but not everybody knows who Anthony Hopkins is, which is. I mean, a travesty first and foremost, but yeah. they see his face and they're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, um, I can see that. Silence Angelina Jolie? Angelina oh, Jolie is probably, that might is probably be the one. Yeah. In terms of longest career in that A-list spotlight? Well, no, actually, okay, probably The Rock. Probably The Rock. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with The Rock. But what a who's who? What a Mount Rushmore there of the four. You know, That's... when you work in when you work in entertainment, you do like a lot of junkets and red carpets and comic cons and 
and stuff, you get the opportunity to meet some really talented, amazing people. And I, you know, am very fortunate that the vast majority of every celebrity I've had the opportunity to interview was a kind, wonderful person. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, 43 TV show or podcast that you love, but you don't think anyone else knows about. Hmm. So I actually got turned on to this TV show by my friend Maria. So shout out to uh to Maria. And it's called The Other Two. Hmm. Have you heard of this? Oh, wait, yes, because um I think I know one of the creators on this. Uh, so it's a comedy, and yes. the story is about a brother and a sister of a Justin Bieber-like pop star. And it tells kind of their life and how they deal with their little brother being this like giant phenomenon music star and kind of what they do and how they are trying to the kind of get out of his shadow and it's it's hysterical and molly shannon is the mom and she is amazing i love her yes and i believe uh sarah schneider of snl and college humor fame is one of the writers creators i'm not sure title exactly that's a question uh, i don't have an answer to <laughs> and uh, proud listeners please leave it as an itunes review what her exact title is and uh <laughs> i will check it in the morning uh question 44 favorite comedian hmm you know it's tough because it used to be ellen Used to love Alan. Yeah. Used to love the fact that she would make jokes about everyday things that didn't they weren't they didn't have to punch up or punch down because they were like about laundry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was universally funny, this idea of how the red sock always ends up in the white load, right? <laughs> um stuff like that. But, you know, then hearing about how problematic she became in her later years, it really bummed me out. I was like, No, you were one of the good ones. Yeah. Um so now I really love Amy Schumer, and Ooh. I know that she's very polarizing. There's a lot of people that do not like her humor whatsoever, but I watched her Netflix documentary on how she was coming up with her special and going on tour um, while she was pregnant, and the struggles that she went through during her pregnancy really resonated with me as a woman who went through a lot of struggles during my pregnancy, and it's something that women, particularly women on camera, and obviously I'm a very different type of woman on camera than Amy Schumer, um, have to really hide a lot of that and suffer it alone or with just, you know, their partner or their immediate circle. And that's really tough that women are put under that kind of pressure to be homemakers and to raise the next generation to have babies, but then to do it alone in a, in a void and not have the support because of all of these weird stigmas around talking about the trials and tribulations of pregnancy. So I really yeah. like it humanized her in a way that it hadn't before. And while I don't always love every joke she makes, I think after watching that, I appreciate a lot more about where some of her jokes come from. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, question 45 best Saturday night live cast member. Kristen Wiig, like hands down. Ooh. Just Number like, one with a bullet. Look at this. Without hesitation. Without yeah. hesitation. She's my favorite. She's just so talented, and her improv skills know no limits. So versatile. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, 46. What's the nerdiest thing you've ever done? <laughs> this is tough because I'm like, <laughs> I work in video games. Where do I start? You built an empire on nerdiness. Yeah. Um. Well, one of the nerdiest things I've ever done was meet up with some members of the What's Good Games community to play my first ever live D&D campaign and then oh. we all became Destiny clanmates and raided together. I love the one the three act <laughs> of that story. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh 47 least favorite state. Um probably Texas. Yeah. Or Florida. They may be tied. And it's tough because there's things in both of those states that I like, and there's people in both of those states that I like and love. But man, they just suck for a variety of reasons. That is correct. Yeah, that question is quickly becoming a runaway of both Texas and Florida. And it's it's unfortunate because we could have a conversation about a state that sucks for like a, a legitimate reason that does not has nothing to do with politics. Yeah. Because the politics of states come and go over the over the decades and centuries. And we could talk about states that have like true problems like Wyoming, where you go for miles and miles. And if you don't book a hotel room in advance and you're driving across country and you're only 20 years old and you don't understand what this means, that you could come to a town at like 11 o'clock and be like, hey, I, I can still get a hotel room here. And it's like, nope, town's closed. On to the next one, which is 200 miles away. And you're like, Oof. shit. Towns closed. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's different now, but it's still kind of the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 48. Best thing you've ever won. Something that I won. I don't know if I've like won anything that was like like a big moment that in the, in the traditional sense of like a contest. Yeah. I'm having, I'm struggling with this one. The heart of John Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make this about my husband again. <laughs> you know, it's funny though, is that I didn't really win his heart so much as that. I like brute forced my way into his life. And that's a story that I will tell some other time. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is more than fair. Uh, question 49. Is there anything you've collected or had a collection of? Yes, many things, in fact. When I was a kid, well, not really a kid, more of a teenager, I was obsessed with a program on the USA Network called La Femme Nikita. It's still one of my favorite television series of all time. I own all the DVDs. And mm -hmm. Nikita in the series, this spy figure had all of these different colored sunglasses. And she like kept them on a string in her kitchen. And she was always so cool. And so I started collecting sunglasses and I had a giant collection of colored sunglasses that I then had on a string in my bedroom and it became a thing. I think I still have a bunch of them in a box somewhere. That's pretty cool. I am quite familiar with that show because I watched the last five minutes of just about every episode because it aired right before Monday Night Raw. Ooh. And so I basically <laughs> saw... Whatever the la whatever the conclusion of every episode was in preparation to that. Uh, question 50. Dubbed the Ryan Davis and the last of the fighting questions, I swear. You're in a fight to the death with another person equal to your size. You're offered either an aluminum baseball bat 
or a six-inch non-serrated knife, knowing the other weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent. So which do you choose, knife or bat? Bat. Wow. For sure. Firmly I think that I think the knife... I think the knife I could dodge. I think I could dodge the knife. Mm. A bat is much harder to dodge, especially if I'm fighting somebody my size, which means that they probably have an easier time like hitting me with it because they're on my level. Where mm-hmm. if somebody tall was fighting me, I could probably like get low and it would be harder for them to hit me with it. Interesting. But so, equal of equal size, I would imagine that somebody my size probably wouldn't be as skilled. With a knife. At least I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm telling myself that I've made the right choice. <laughs> now, what if this person your size is secretly a mountain lion in a disguise? Holding a knife? I would be impressed. I'd be like, listen, can I just film this for my TikTok? <laughs> That's <laughs> the most dexterous <laughs> mountain lion I've ever seen. <laughs> Well, rise and shine time, everybody. I'm assuming you're listening in the morning. I don't know. It feels like I have a one in three chance of that. But there is plenty of episode with Andrew and Renee still to come. But first, let's pay the bills and send a shout out to the wonderful folks who do the music. Oh, I love the music in this here podcast. Like the song you're hearing right now from the mini vandals or the song that's going to play after the break from DJ Williams opener from Diala, the closing one from single friend all wonderful people i assume all morning people see it's on the theme of morning right now i don't know before brunch let's get over to the second half of the episode We got one more thing before we get back to the show. Something brand new, something I'm very excited about. It's the 99 Questions hotline? Hotline. Sure, that's what we're going to go with. I created a phone number for you to call. You can leave me a voicemail. If you have questions for me, if you have questions about the show, if you have questions for future guests, you can call in, leave a voicemail, and your voice might be the one actually asking the question live on the show. Well, not live. It's pre-recorded. But you know what I mean. I got the number right here. 732-592-9838. That spells out Real Wax Vet. That's right. Real Wax Vet. Like a veterinarian who's really made of wax. I don't know. All the good numbers are taken, so this is the closest one I could get. Real Wax Vet. One more time, that's 732-592-9838. Give it a call, leave a message, have a great day. So, Andrea, uh, I believe uh, most people would probably know you from What's Good Games uh, and your your various gaming uh, uh, achievements and content, as people call it nowadays, content. Um, 
But something I've always been very impressed with you by that kind of made me a fan was your hosting. Because I think you're a fantastic host of a big event. And you've done a fair share of it between E3s and PAXs and different world championship things. <laughs> um, and so if I had one question for you specifically, and what do you know I do, um, it would be, how do you maintain a level of calmness and coolness, even in a scenario where you're in front of, I don't know, 80,000 people in a stadium or one-on-one -on -one with someone like The Rock? Uh, I think a lot of people in the world find, you know, what is it? Public speaking is like above literal death in like a list of people's fears in the world. So it's like, I think people would love to know, and I would love to know how uh, you do that with such a, such a great ability. Well, first off, thank you so much for your kind words. I love what I do and I've been practicing and honing my skills for a very long time. I think that in and of itself goes a long way to calming my nerves, knowing that I've done the preparation, that I did years of on-camera training, years mm. of improv, which by the way, if you're looking at doing any kind of on-camera thing, whether it's streaming or hosting or any kind of public speaking, like doing improv classes will help you so much and cannot recommend them enough. And almost every town has them. Even my hometown of Fargo had improv. So <laughs> I'm sure yours does too. Um, but I get nervous. Like I'm not the person who walks up there and is always cool and cool and calm and collected, despite what you may see on camera. There's definitely times when my heart is racing and sometimes we're all get a little shaky. And I think what it comes back to is trying to be as prepared as possible knowing that when you get up there when I get up there that I have all the tools I need to succeed and that all I have to do is believe that I can do it. And that again, just takes some time to, to get over. But I was a stage performer for, you know, over a decade before I took my first hosting job. I mean, technically if we want to include like the stuff from when I was really little, I was performing for, for almost 20 years before I got my first on camera job. And I've always loved the energy in a room being on stage. It's a different vibe when you're doing something in a studio. Yeah. I actually find it, um, you know, more nerve wracking in a different way, depending on what the project is. But, you know, being on stage is kind of my happy place. I love the feeling, the energy. And I think if you just focus on like the fun part of it, it's easy to kind of let that fear melt away and to always just be authentic. That was the thing that, you know, took me a while to learn when I first started out is that you have to be able to call out when you make a mistake. Because if you make some kind of a big flub and you just like blow by it like it didn't happen, then it's gonna be awkward for everybody, right? Mm, yeah. But you don't wanna belabor it either, right? So it kind of takes a practiced hand to know how do I address what went wrong, but then quickly move on to keep things flowing to not like slow down the flow of what we're doing. And it's tough, but also just like practice, 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 practice. And if I know I'm on like a teleprompter job, I'll like run that till I'm blue in the face just so I feel so comfortable with it that the prompter can go down, which has happened. <gasps> and you can just keep going, you know? Wow. Well, that is, that's spectacular. And uh, let me tell you, you're doing a heck of a job over there. Thank uh, you. 
Oh, we got all these questions. So and many more questions to get to. I got to set these on fire eventually. So let's I know. Go and I got to the... make my stories a little shorter. I got to pick <laughs> this up. Hey, listen. I like the longer episodes. Uh, by the listener metrics, I could see my listeners like longer episodes. But hey, we're we're on your schedule. No, no worries. Uh, fifty-one. What's your phone wallpaper right now? It's a photo of my baby and my husband, both wearing bowls for hats. Oh, that's that's very cute. Uh, fifty-two. What's the last thing you Googled? Um, literally during the show, I googled the name of that new Zed and Marin Morris oh, song. Right. I can't remember the name of it because it just came out. <laughs> that's kind of a lame answer. Um, if you want to, it's like something that's a little bit more fun. Let me look at the last thing that I googled. Here okay. we go. I googled Resident Evil whiskey because I recently bought oh, the yeah, Assassin's they... Creed limited edition whiskey. I posted about it on my Twitter <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was talking to Brittany about it because I was like, obviously we have to do a tasting when she comes back into town. And she was like, oh, there was this Resident Evil whiskey. And I was like, okay, let's find it. And then we found it. And if you buy it in Japan, it's like $350. If you try to buy it from somebody who's imported it in the States, it's a thousand dollars. And I was like, sorry, Brett, we're not buying it. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah. Though now I'm intrigued. What could a thousand dollar Resident Evil whiskey really be like? You're not paying for the whiskey. Spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, 53. You have to name your next pet without seeing them. What do you name them? Oh, do we know what kind of pet it is? You do not. You mm. you have been told that you have a pet and you're about to open a door and yell out for it, but you don't know what it is. Um, I'm going to name it Goose. Oh, is this Top Gun related? Yes. <laughs> But it's deeper than that. Nice. So I had a cat. He sadly passed away last month. Mm. Um, and his name was Maverick. And everyone's Aww. like, oh, did you name him Maverick for Top Gun? And I was like, actually, no. I named him Maverick for the Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster movie about gambling on a riverboat, which oh. I love. <laughs> which is a weird deep cut. <laughs> but he had this brother that my ex at the time when we adopted them named him Ghost. And I was like, why didn't you name him Goose? And he was like, because I like the name Ghost. Why didn't you name yours Goose? And I was like, because that wouldn't make sense to be Goose and Ghost. It makes sense to be Maverick and Goose. Yeah. They're brothers. Like, they should be have matching names. And we got into, it got to be this big fight, and we never ended up naming our other cat Goose. And so now I'm like, I feel like there's this lingering unsaid thing where I need to find a, an animal and name them Goose. I love it. It could be a Goose. And that's the <laughs> a goose named Goose. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Fifty four. What professional wrestler would you compare yourself to? Oh man! <laughs> Had to sneak one in there about wrestling. So is it gonna? Um, it's tough because I've been starting to watch like new era wrestling. I was a diehard WWF fan back mm-hmm. in the day. Had the magazines, the whole nine yards, because this was one of the things my my bachelor dad got me into is that we watched wrestling together. Um, but I fell off for a while because it just got too difficult to keep up with everybody. And now I've been watching a lot more of it because my husband watches a lot of it. And, and 
it feels like everybody in video games also is simultaneously tweeting about about WWE and AEW. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm like, hmm, do I pick a legacy wrestler or do I pick like a new era wrestler? Because part of me is like, mm, is the comparison to Becky Lynch just too obvious? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a little on the nose, right? It's a, l- a little bit, yeah. Um, or do I go like legacy, like Bret the Hitman Hart? Mm, good choice. Hmm, I did like Shawn Michaels too, though. The showstopper. Yeah, so good. He was unreal. He's one of the best ever. My gosh. Wrestling has been going on for a long time. It's good that The Undertaker finally retired. He I was worried about to. him. Yeah. I was worried. A couple of those last matches, it was more of like, like you know, driving past a car wreck on the highway. It was like, I don't, I don't want to see this, but I, I kind of have to look. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, just like your poor body. Like, let it go. Go like yeah. lay on a beach somewhere and enjoy. He was doing it since like 1986 or something, and he just retired. Like, there's no. Ugh, I hope he enjoys it. He deserves it. Let's see. 55. What's your comfort food on a bad day? On a bad day, when I want something comforting, it's mac and cheese. Mm. Mac and cheese is just a go to, and it can be just regular craft. I love like the blue box. But when I want to treat myself to mac and cheese, it's all about the Velveeta shells and cheese box. Yes. With yep. the foil packet and just like squeeze it out. And you always get the last little bit on your finger and you're like, this is the best. And you don't look at the nutritional information because it doesn't matter. Nope. Doesn't matter that it's <laughs> seven days worth of sodium or whatever. Just like, like does it? Doesn't matter. Know, the problem is the box is like just too big to eat by yourself. Because <laughs> when you do, you feel bad. You're like, yeah. this was too much macaroni. <laughs> but you don't want to leave just a little bit left because it never reheats the same, no matter how you know yeah. good you are at reheating it. It's just never the same. But that's the tough part. Is that I feel like they do that on purpose. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. They want you to come back for seconds <laughs> fresh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 56. Favorite smell? That's tough. probably balsam, like like a Christmas mm. tree. Love the smell of balsam. Very nice. 57. Best candy? Oh, this is such a wide gamut of options, too. I'm going to go candy bar. If I had a line of candy bars, I would pick Kit Kat. Ooh. Love the wafer. Love the crunch. Love that it's chocolatey, but not too chocolatey. It's a good one. Now, you're not one of these uh, weirdos who just bites into a Kit Kat. You got to snap them, right? Oh, no, of course. You snap them off one at a time. All right. Thank you. Who's just biting into the Kit Kat? It shook me to my core when I saw that. It it truly did. Like like eating it like it was a Hershey bar. And I was like, it it audibly I, like I snapped the Hershey me. bars into individual pieces too. <laughs> I do that as well. <laughs> oh it goodness. has the perforation for the reason. Uh fifty-eight worst candy. Mm, probably a mounds. No, you know what it is, Babe, Babe Ruth. Those are oh, just yeah. so 
hard. I want them to be good because I like all the elements of that candy bar. But when you go to like actually eat it, it just is always sticking to your teeth and the peanuts are too tough. And then they're not quite fresh. And so they taste usually because they've been sitting with the nougat and the caramel. So they don't get that crisp. And I don't know what kind of preservative Snickers puts in their peanuts. (laughs) Don't want to know quite honestly. But they don't ever taste like soggy almost. Like I want that candy bar to be good, but it's not. Yeah. Agreed. 59. What's a restaurant you'd recommend? I mean, when you're here, your family. Yeah. Olive Garden. Get all the breadsticks you want. I am an Olive Garden fan, diehard. I grew up with it. It was the place we would go to birthdays and special lunches. and, And I know that a lot of people look at the Olive Garden as like trash food. But every time I go, we went when I was back visiting my mom in Arizona because we were like in the in the burbs of Phoenix. I was like, Mm -hmm. there's an Olive Garden. Let's get it. It was just really good. And it's consistent. And there's something for that. Sometimes you just want the consistent thing that you know, and they deliver on it. And I know that they do that in ways that probably aren't the healthiest. But man, those breadsticks are legendary. And I could eat the Zippa Toscana soup all day, mm. every day. Underrated soup. Everyone's about the pasta fagioli, or fa- fagioli. And I'm just like, no, nah, man, the, the Toscana is where it's at. I'm a chicken gnocchi boy. I'm just... yeah, I mean, I- I'll fuck with the gnocchi every once in a while. <laughs> Can't make a bad choice, honestly. It's true. Uh, question 60. What's a food? You've never eaten. This is tough. I've tried a lot of things. I worked in restaurants for a really long time. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Why am I having such a hard time thinking of something? I know this is it, it, audio listeners. The strained look on her face. <laughs> uh, I'm like trying to think of some weird like seafood or something but i've tried a lot of weird stuff and i've tried a lot of weird land things too like i've tried rattlesnake i've tried mm-hmm. crocodile did this one show where i had to eat rocky mountain oysters on camera which was not unpleasant for me yeah. um something i've never tried um i guess i've never eaten actual chicken feet oh okay because i know that that's a thing that some people eat yeah. Those in some dishes. It's not bad. You're not missing out on a whole lot, but it's not yeah, bad. <laughs> I feel like it's like a, it'd be like really crunchy and maybe a little sinewy. And I'm like, eh, I don't It's It's kind of like if you had a chicken wing, but there's no white meat in the inside. It's just like yeah. immediate bone and skin. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem pleasant to me. Yeah. If you put in a good sauce, you're you're in business. But otherwise... Yeah, you're you're all right. You're not missing much. Uh, sixty-one strangest food that you have eaten. Might have just gotten the answer there. <laughs> I mean, I definitely listed some really strange food that I have eaten. Um, I also think things like escargot are kind of strange but delicious if if made properly, especially if you're in France and you have the opportunity to eat like authentic French escargot. Mm. Amazing, but when you think about the fact that you're eating literally like a slug in a shell, it's like. This is weird. Why am I eating this? This is kind of, kind of, kind of weird. A little bit. A little bit. Um, but delicious. I, I've tried uni, but I'm not really into it, which is sea urchin. I know it's like a delicacy in, in, in sushi, but 
the texture of it was not really my thing. But yeah, I've tried a lot of like weird stuff. Nice, nice. 62. What's well, a typical day off? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember when day off is anymore. <laughs> any any parent will will remind you that like you don't really get days off once you have kids. I mean, at least definitely not like when they're really little, like mine is, you know, one years old. But a day off would be probably having a very quiet morning with multiple cups of coffee instead of one that I've had to microwave three times because <laughs> I can't drink it all in a single city. Mm -hmm. And yes, I am not afraid to microwave my coffee. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> um, and playing something on my Switch. So before my baby was born, what I did during the pandemic that really was relaxing to me on my time off was I would wake up and I would get my switch and coffee and I would just sit outside and play animal crossing mm. on my switch. And I would like go to the animal crossing subreddit and like look at what new designs were posted that day. And then I would go look them up and be like, mm, I got to pin this to my animal crossing board on Pinterest. And I would just have like a nice morning of just like having like chill vibes. And then I would maybe make myself food or order something and then play something else, like maybe play some Destiny or do some strikes with some friends. And then, you know, maybe do some online shopping. Just kind of lays, lays around, do nothing. Sounds like a pretty darn good day to me. Uh, 63, bucket list item that you accomplished. Hmm... Um, I got to go to Australia. That was a bucket list Ooh. item that I wanted to do. I still have another bucket list item in Australia that I haven't accomplished yet, which is to go to the Great Barrier Reef. But um, I've gotten to go um, swimming on Bondi Beach in Sydney, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, 64 bucket list item you probably won't accomplish. Hmm. That's tough, because I think we all want to believe that we're going to get to all of our bucket list stuff, but one of my bucket list items that I want to accomplish someday, but it requires me to be independently wealthy, <laughs> <laughs> is I want to like rent a yacht in the Mediterranean and just sail around for Ooh. a couple of weeks or a couple of months on a yacht in the Mediterranean, just beautiful, going from Italy to Greece and Croatia, Spain, just that kind sounds, of tool around. Yeah. Doesn't that sound amazing? Yeah. And it's, I think it's only done by people who are either incredibly wealthy or I think art thieves, if movies tell me the truth. Yeah. Or they're <laughs> working the boats, right? Mm, true. Yeah. Mm. I would, yeah, I'll bartend on a boat to do that for a couple of weeks. Uh, 65, dubbed by previous guests, the realest question of the bunch. Name of a friend you don't keep in contact with, but regret it. Oh, um, Sarah. Hmm. Yeah, a friend from high school. We talk every once in a blue moon, like on Facebook, and I'll see her when I go home every once in a while, but she and I were really close, and um, we just, you know, it's tough to keep in contact with people who live thousands of miles away, unfortunately, yeah. even with all of the digital ways to do that these days. 
but she's a really lovely, wonderful human being, and I miss her. Hmm. Shout out, Sarah. Uh, 66. What's a game that makes you feel nostalgic? Mass Effect. Ooh. There was a very specific period of my life when I started playing Mass Effect. So even when I went back to play the Legendary Edition when it came out recently, like took me like right back there to when I was playing Mass Effect 2 for the very first time because that wasn't the beginning of my career in video games. In fact, I was already working in games for about three years or so. So I guess it was like the early part of my career in games, but... It like just very much reminds me of a very specific time when I was up and coming and really struggling, like really having a hard time because it was we were like post recession, but pre like the digital YouTube um, explosion of content, kind of like early days of digital content. And it was just a really tough time to be working in digital media. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, all those all those YouTubers had to make some uh, renegade decisions back then, or some Paragon ones. It all happened to the best of us. I see what you did there. Yeah, you know. I'll include a big raucous ovation and clap sound effect. It makes me Perfect. feel better in the final cut. Uh, 67. What game have you spent the most time playing? Paragon? Hmm? It rivals Destiny. I maybe have spent more time with Destiny 2 now, but Paragon, I spent close to 800 plus hours, maybe 1,000 hours. Whoa. I mean, Animal Crossing is getting up there. I have 800 hours into Animal Crossing. Um, but Paragon was the MOBA, the game from Epic, that was one of the best MOBAs that you can play on console. And I know everyone always points to Smite as being kind of the definitive like console MOBA, but I loved what they did with it. It was third person, so it wasn't this top-down isometric that you get with League or that you get with Dota, the the big ones in, in the yeah. MOBA space. And I just loved the characters and I loved because it was new, I felt like I had a fighting chance <laughs> to actually not just get whomped by everybody that I got match made with. But more importantly, it was a time for me where I got to connect with people in my life that are I'm still really close with today. And it was also a lot of times that I got to game with my sister, who I don't mm. get to game with very often because she has two kids and we live so far apart and I have a job and she has a job and Playing multiplayer games isn't really a thing that we do because we just don't play the same kinds of games. I mean, and so we really got to spend a lot of time gaming with that game together, um, and it was really wonderful. I miss it. And they canceled it because they're like, well, we got to put all these devs on Fortnite. I'm like, no, you don't. You have enough money to support both. <laughs> bring it back. They have enough money for a small country. They could bring back no, Paragon come if on, they wanted sweetie, to. Make it happen. Uh, 68. What's something? You've built with your own hands. Like, does something that I built with instructions count? Or do I have to have actually, like, cut the pieces of wood and put them together myself? I'm saying instructions are counting. Ah, um, well, I mean, most of the things in my house, this <laughs> desk that I'm sitting at right now. Oh. But really, the studio has was a labor of love for me. 
I put up every single piece of foam that's in this studio. Oh, wow. And this studio is about 450 square feet. So it's a decent, it's a decent size and it's like 10 foot ceiling. So it's a lot, it's a lot of foam. Um, because for anybody who has never had to put acoustic treatment or soundproof a room, uh, it's expensive to get the really good foam panels. And so I just bought like your traditional, you know, one foot or by one foot, you know, foam panels. And then I put them on these giant foam core, plastic core boards and I hot glued them all. And then I put them up on the wall with command strips so I wouldn't damage the wall. And let me tell you, that was a project. It took probably a week or two to do the entire room. It's a lot of command strips. Yeah. It was a lot of command strips. It was a lot of hot glue. And it's a lot of foam. And for the most part, they've all stayed up. They haven't fallen. I did have to nail a couple in, a couple, you know, stubborn pieces. But yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. Question 69. Best pickup line. None. Pickup lines are stupid. <laughs> Checking with the judges. Yeah, they're saying correct. Yeah, okay. Pickup lines are dumb. Yeah. Uh, question 70. Have you ever had any good nicknames? Yes. I have a, I have quite a few, actually. But um, the one that I use now for my gamer tag is Big Red. Shocking, mm. right? I never, you never would have guessed it. It's very on brand. But it's funny because it didn't come when I was in gaming it actually happened when I was in high school and it started out as like a like a bully taunt mm. and it happened when I was at a media camp at UCLA I was spending a week there and I was so excited because I was I think I was 15 when I went and I just couldn't wait to go do all of these things because I was so focused on moving to Los Angeles and starting this career in news and we got to go to like the LA Times and meet uh, you know some of the news studios in LA and then see the media department. And it, it all my dreams eventually of going to UCLA were crushed when I found out how much tuition would cost and I could never afford it, which um, is a sad story for another time. But hmm. um, at the very last night, there was like a not like a talent show, more as so like there was some kind of like event that the organizers put together and all the kids like went. And they like needed like an MC, and of course I volunteered because I just that's, that's what I do. <laughs> oh, you need someone to hold a microphone and talk into it. I'll do it. Thanks. Got you covered. Um, and these guys in the back of the room kept chanting, "Big Red, give me some head." Big Red, give me some head. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. You're 15 year old boys. You're fuck faces." <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, Checking with the judges, and they also yeah, they're giving yeah. a yes on but that at the one time, as well. <laughs> I was simultaneously mad, but also like, oh, my God, someone thinks I'm cute. <laughs> because teenage girl self-esteem is the most horrific roller coaster anybody can be on. And I'm so glad those days are behind me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 71. Do you believe in love at first sight? No. But I do believe that you can fall in love with someone quickly. Because once you know, you know. I do think that falling in love with someone quickly is not as easy when you're young because you're not as sure of who you are and what you want and what you want in a partner. Mm. But 
I knew after three weeks of dating John that he was the man I wanted to marry. We didn't get married until three Four and a weeks. half years later. Oh, yeah. You know, so we, you know, made sure to do our due diligence and yeah. make sure we actually liked each other before signing these lifelong commitments. Um, but I knew right away, but I wasn't love at first sight. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, 72, what's a big turnoff of yours? Um, a big turnoff of mine is people who tear other people down to make themselves feel better. Mm. There are times in this life where it's good and important to tear certain people down because they're doing bad things or harming people. And the only way to stop them is to tear them down. I'm looking at you fucking Ted Cruz. Um, <laughs> But I think overall, like the general rule of thumb is punch up, don't punch down. And always go back to the golden rule, man. Treat others how you want to be treated. And people still like, they say that, but then they'll just throw it out the window and do some like really terrible shit. And you're like, why? Why did you do this? Why did you have to be an asshole? Just don't be an asshole. It's not that hard to not be an asshole. You would think. And yet Twitter. Yes, we had Twitter. Uh, <laughs> 73. Do you consider yourself an artist? Yes. Yes, right. I do. Yeah. 74. What's something you tried to cook and failed? Frosting. Oh. I know it sounds weird, but... Making frosting from scratch Mm. is difficult because you have to make sure that the sugar is at the right temperature and that you're adding it to the butter at the right temperature and at the right speed and consistency. And if you over mix it or overheat it or you boil it too long, you can really muck it up pretty easily. Making whipped cream frosting easier, but still a challenge because it can break and fall apart and not Mm. hold its stiffness. Frosting is surprisingly difficult. Wow. I had no idea, but I give a lot of credit to, I guess, Duncan Hines or whoever pre-bakes it for me, because that is... <laughs> and it's shelf-stable for months. It's incredible. They know what they're doing over there. Uh, question 75. Dubbed the Ben Hansen after the first guest of this year's show. What's the greatest piece of art ever made? Oh my gosh, there's no answer to this question. <laughs> ben Hansen, why are you doing this to me? This question does not have an answer. <laughs> my God, the greatest piece of art ever made. Mm-hmm. Oh, season one of Shits Creek? Does that count? Well, you Actually, season three season three was better. Season three was better. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's too it's too difficult, too broad. Narrow your the... scope, Ben. Yeah, Ben. Jeez, Pick a doing? medium, at least. <laughs> 76. Have you ever had something happen to you that you would consider paranormal? Yes. Oh. My dad had one of those old school Ouija boards, like from the 60s, mm. when we were growing up. And it was in a closet for a long time. And we just were like, whatever, Ouija boards are dumb. And then one 
weekend, one of his buddies came over with his kids and we would see these kids occasionally because, you know, two divorcees with their kids. They're like, let's get together and the kids can like, you know, yeah. keep themselves occupied. They'll entertain themselves. And, yeah. So we were in the basement of my dad's house and we had all the lights off. We we're like, let's get the Ouija board out. I think we were probably like eight or nine or something, maybe a little older. Um, and there was three, so it was me, my sister, this girl, and her younger brother. So there was four of us, three girls, one boy. And so we were playing, and I feel like anybody who's ever played with a Ouija board knows that, like, there's a little bit of give and take of, like, who's pushing, who's pulling, somebody's moving it, whatnot. But then there's sometimes moments where you're like, wait a minute, I actually wasn't moving it. And then someone's like, I wasn't moving it. And it's like, you're lying to me. Somebody had to be moving it. This stuff is all just all bullshit. And I still think to this day that, like, the game was bullshit. But what happened afterward was weird and kind of scary in, in, in a way. Because we were playing with the Ouija board and we kind of were like, oh, who's Ryan going to kiss tonight? Because <laughs> we were, you know, dumb kids. Yeah. And it kind of, like, set off this, like, wave of negative energy where we were just messing around, but then he got like really mad about it. And then he started yelling and then my sister started yelling. And then like something happened with my dad and he got super mad and ended up like throwing Legos like across the room. And there was just like this like weird, like angry energy in the house. Yeah. And I'm just like, I feel like that's something to do with the Ouija board. Mm. Can't mess with those things. Mm -mm. Can't mess with them. Uh, well, I think I know the answer to 77. Would you ever use a Ouija board? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> 78. Simply, why? Skip. <laughs> it's a very good strategic skip. I like it. 79. If given the chance, when would you time travel to? Oh, that's tough as a woman because being a woman in literally any other century is pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> Unless, even if you were a, a rich, like, queen or daughter of a wealthy person, it's probably still really shitty for you. Um, so that's, that's hard. Um, I do like the fashion of some of the other eras, mm. but I don't, I just, yeah, the... You know, the food poisoning from not having food cooked properly, the having to wear the things, the death and childbirth and being forced to marry someone you don't want. Like being a woman in any other time period is just like shitty. Yeah. I think it would be exciting to kind of see the rise and birth of the women's movement in like the 60s and 70s. And I think that would be a really interesting and exciting time to be. Um but also the era had its own share of problems in a wide variety of other ways. This is a tough question as a woman. I think men maybe take for granted that they can be like, I want to go back to Napoleon's time. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of have carte blanche access. Sadly, yeah, you sure do. Yeah. And moving right along. <laughs> uh, question 80. Have you ever made? A sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it. Yes and no. Mm. When my sister was diagnosed with celiac disease, 
I was trying to understand what she was going through on a daily basis. And so I went completely gluten-free for 10 weeks. And I gave myself a time period to kind of evaluate and to bring gluten back to see if I was having any of the same issues that she was having since it is a, a, a genetic thing. And going completely gluten-free for celiacs, and for people who aren't aware of what celiac disease is, it's an autoimmune disorder, not an allergy. But I always told her, just tell people it's an allergy. People don't understand when you say autoimmune. They don't know what that means. Um, where your body basically rejects the uh, gluten protein like it's a foreign invader, almost like it's a cancer cell. And it can cause a whole host of various mm. physical problems for people on, uh, on scales of stomach discomfort to intestinal cancer like it's it's can be really bad um and my sister is you know pretty gluten sensitive now um and so i wanted to live how she's living to kind of see like the struggle that she was in because imagine someone telling you uh, that you could never have an olive garden breadstick ever again oh that's yeah that's going to strike Or you deep. could, but you're going to risk literal food poisoning slash you could set yourself up for cancer. Mm. Like a cancer-causing breadstick. Like uh, Not good. Right? Not like good. It's devastating news getting diagnosed yeah. with celiac disease for people. But it's much more manageable today. So I, I want that. And what that means is that you have to look at every single product in your life because things like lotions, cosmetics, shampoo, things you wouldn't think of have gluten in them or some mm. kind of wheat binders. And it's oh, things that sneak up on you and you, don't, and you don't know. Like the glue in cigarette paper, if you didn't know, has gluten in it. <laughs> wow. Uh, she discovered this because my sister used to be a smoker. Smoker no more. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, not a bad thing, right? It's a good uh, reason to quit, but yeah. Yes. Um, but she got gluten um, during my bachelorette party because um, some of the girls at my party were, you know, being like, we're in Vegas. Let's have some cigarettes. And she's like, OK, I haven't had one in forever. Has one. Hives all over her body. Oh, no. uh, it was it was a bad scene. Um, but you have to look at every single label. And if it says made in a facility with wheat or gluten, can have it. Turns out a lot of gluten free for everybody. I'm using air quotes here. Items technically not gluten free. They're just, you know, mm. gluten sensitive or gluten friendly or gluten free friendly. So if you don't have celiacs or an autoimmune, you can be okay. But um, yeah, you can't even have potato French fries if they've been fried in the same oil as chicken strips at a restaurant. And let me tell you, a lot of waiters are not clear on that. When you tell them you can't have gluten, they're like, oh, yeah, they're gluten free. And it's like, no, you don't have a separate fryer with different oil. It's all being cross contaminated. It's tough. So I did that. It was a huge lifestyle change. I had to throw out half the stuff in my pantry. And um, I brought a lot of it to work and put it on the free table and put it in the kitchen. It was just like things that, you know, obviously were safe to do so. Um, so I wasn't just wasting food, but it was a dramatic, dramatic change um, that was really eye opening for me and really helped empathize what she goes through on a day to day basis. And I, I eat gluten now and I don't eat a lot of it, but it really reminded me that like, I don't need a lot of this stuff in my life. Like I didn't have, I didn't have a sandwich probably for a year and a half and didn't miss them. Wow. Didn't have bread in my house for like multiple years. Didn't miss it. 
I mean, I would get bread occasionally at a restaurant if I was out, but I was like, no, just, you know, once you take that stuff out, the thing I did miss that took me a really long time to come back to, and even now I don't drink a lot of it, was beer. I drank a lot of beer before mm. doing this, and then, of, car- of course, beer was out. Yeah. And then after I started bringing gluten slowly back into my diet, I just didn't have a taste for it. I lost it. I was like, I don't really want beer anymore. Yeah. Turns out it's just kind of the cheapest way to like get a buzz going, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not always the tastiest. Yeah, but there are some really amazing craft IPAs these days. The microbrew mm. industry has just exploded in the last like decade. So, yeah, very true. Wow, that is fascinating, though. Uh, eighty-one. What game show, past or present, would you love to be a contestant on? Wheel of Fortune. Mmm. I grew up with Wheel of Fortune, so I think it'd be fun. I, I mean, I would also, you know what? I take that back. It's got to be press your luck, like legacy press your luck. I know they brought it back with Elizabeth Banks and like the reboot was kind of fun, but I loved that show when I was a kid, like lived for that show. Yes. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. (laughs) Oh, 4,000 and a spin. Fantastic. (laughs) 82. What's a quote that you love? A quote that I love is when luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm. Reggie fils actually quoted this in his recent book, Disrupting the Game, which I read. And I went into that book fully thinking it was going to be lame. Sorry, Reggie. I just did. <laughs> I was like, you're not a writer. How are you going to write a good book? But I was very impressed by all the nuggets of wisdom that he had. And he started the book with this quote. And I was like, that's my favorite quote. I love that because it's so true because very rarely are people truly just lucky like a lightning strike, right? Yeah. You're ready for the opportunity when it presents itself. And when you're not ready, the opportunity isn't going to come your way. So you feel like you're lucky, but in reality, you were just waiting for it all along. And if you weren't waiting for it, then the luck will probably never find you, which is why you should always be prepared for when luck is coming your way excellently said excellent from you and reggie <laughs> uh 83 what's the best shirt that you own oh this is tough <laughs> i have a lot of really amazing t-shirts but the best shirt that i own is a sentimental one and it's my andrea strong shirt and this is super important to me because I went through some really heavy, hard stuff last year, uh, medically in and out of the hospital during my pregnancy, thought I was going to die multiple times. We're going to like keep the, the high level TLDR, not go down that road. But a group of friends saw what I was going through and didn't know how to help. And because it was COVID, people couldn't come and see me in the hospital. People couldn't come and see me afterwards. And like sending things was like, well, what do you even send? She doesn't need, you know, like another like basket of like soup or whatever. Um, And so a group of my friends were like, we want to do something. We don't know what to do. And it was organized by a couple of really close friends of mine. And out of the blue on social media, 
all of my friends started posting these photos of them wearing these t-shirts that said that had like a this really cool crown design and it said Andrea Strong on it. And the coordination for the people, the amount of people that were involved is, is still like it's still really awe-inspiring to me that, you know, all of my friends kind of got together and did this behind my back. <laughs> um, but they wanted to show support in a way that they knew that I would see and that would kind of indicate like, hey, we're here supporting you, even though we can't physically be there supporting you going through this like really hard time. Yeah. And it meant a lot to me. So that's probably my favorite T-shirt. Oh, that is so heartwarming. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. There are people do wonderful things, you know, hmm. having friends is good. It's important. It's a very good thing. Uh, 84. Would you change your middle name? No. Mm, definitive. I love it. Yeah. 85. What's a good impression you can do? <laughs> well, <laughs> So there's uh, a famous clip of me singing uh, Toad Sings. I don't know if you're familiar with Singing Toad on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, but I can do Singing Toad. <laughs> Could you, would you mind just a, just a, a sampling sure. of it here? Sure. So the one that I was doing was um, so Singing Toad has a lot of songs if you look this up on, on YouTube, but the kind of famous one was Chandelier by Sia. There was a My chandelier, my chandelier, like that, singing toad. <laughs> brava, brava! <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I don't know why I can do singing toad. It's kind of weird. It's dead on too. That's <laughs> fantastic. Oh gosh, uh, eighty-six. Is there a tattoo you wanted to get, but are glad you didn't get? Um, no. There are tattoos that I still think about getting that I'm probably going to get, but I haven't Ooh. gotten yet. But none that I was like, oh, God, I'm so glad I never got that. <laughs> um, I definitely want to get the tattoo of my daughter's name at some point in my life. Hmm. Um, because she's important. Oh, and. Yeah. I also have committed to a couple of friends to getting um, the What's Good Games logo tattooed or part of the logo tattooed at some point. Because even if What's Good Games goes away, which eventually it will, it can't go on forever, at least not with me at the helm, um, <laughs> you know, because I'm going to go away eventually. Um, and I think the reason why it's so important is that it's it's more than just like this project that I started. It's like it means something bigger than that. It like stands for something bigger than that. This idea of creating a safe space and an inclusive space, not only for women in video games, because we don't have one slash didn't have one, um, are finding our spaces, but for people of all backgrounds that always felt like they were not welcome as a gamer or not welcome in the communities of video games, whether they be, you know, people of color or LGBTQ or people who are of gender fluidity, basically anybody who's ever been told like 
you don't belong here. You're not a gamer. You're a fake gamer. You're a casual, whatever kind of insult. And it's really meant a lot that our community comes to us and says, like, thank you for making this space because I love games and I just want to talk about the games that I love. But people told me that I don't get to love these games and I don't understand why. And I was like, not here. Everybody gets to love games. Yeah. But if you're a dick, we are going to kick you out to make sure everyone <laughs> can keep loving games. And we have had to be really strict with our community to keep it a safe space because people want to come in and tell people that they can't be fans of stuff. And we're like, nah, none of that garbage. You can just dis disagree and have heated debates, passionate debates, but you can't be a dick at what's yeah. good games. I love it. I think it's a good rule. I think it's tattoo worthy. I like it. 87. How would you describe your 16 year old self? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, overconfident yet incredibly ambitious mm. and more naive than I would be willing to admit at the time, but definitely see now. I have always had a hunger and drive and wanted to do it all. And I prided myself that I was never, well, I say that now, but I still believe that I was never the smartest person in the room, but I was the hardest working person in the room. That I would be there first and I'd be the last one to go home. And I'd always be doing the extra credit and doing the extra project, going the extra mile, because I knew that I wanted to be the best. And I didn't have natural smarts to beat some of my classmates like head to head in certain things that I knew I had to outwork them. And I did. And I graduated number one in my class because I went to office hours for all of my teachers before and after class for almost all of them to make sure that I always got the A was always the thing <laughs> for me. Um, but there was a lot that I thought that I knew about how the world works that I clearly did not know. And I wish that I could get out from under my own ambition to be more empathetic even at that age. I think we want to believe that we were kinder than we actually were when we were young. Mm -hmm. And part of that is a product of our environment, of course. But part of that is also a product of us being so concerned with our immediate world that we don't stop to think about the world beyond us. And I think that our generation now, the generation that's 16 now, has the benefit of being able to see more because of things like TikTok and Instagram yep. and other kinds of social media and internet you know, connectedness than we did because the internet was barely a thing when I was 16. Like we were just learning what the fuck a web crawler was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like even using Google internet searches was not allowed when I was in college. Like you couldn't do any research using the internet. Everything had to be paper in a, in a book in the library. Um, so I was like right on that cusp and I wish I could go back and tell myself to get out of my own ass and just not be so caught up with having to be the best at everything instead focus on creating relationships with the people around me instead of being so focused on being better and that was like that's a hard lesson to look back and learn and go like man yeah. i sometimes kind of sucked like i don't look back at myself and go i was a bad person because i wasn't but there are times when I absolutely could have been more kind. And instead of being so focused on winning or being first, 
that I could stop and help somebody along the way. And I didn't. But now I do. And now I try to. And now that's part of like my growing as a human being is to be like, hey, you don't have to be the best at everything if you can make a difference in one person's life. That's incredibly powerful. Yes. I love that. Uh, 88. What's the worst injury you've ever had? Um, worst injury. Well, you know, I've actually like not got one. <laughs> Haven't really had any bad like injuries from like sports or anything like that. I yeah. used to have a recurring, uh, kneecap issue where I would get, um, there's a word for it when the kneecap slides out of your socket and then slides back in. Like a floating knee or something? Isn't Maybe well, it was I, a soccer I, I... thing where it w- it wasn't it wouldn't actually break. It would just like get dislocated, but then Ooh. would pop immediately back in. There's like Ooh. a specific medical word, and I bet you one of your listeners is like, I know exactly what the word for that thing is. Um, so that was something that was really painful that would happen to me all the time. But I'm fortunate that I've actually knock on wood never broken a bone. Um, and never had like a major wound externally, but as per what I mentioned a, a few moments ago, I had all this really bad medical stuff happen to me last year um, during my pregnancy that was pretty awful, having multiple intestinal blockages that resulted in multiple mm. surgeries and losing over three feet of my <sighs> intestine in the process uh, was pretty shitty. Yeah. But I survived and my baby survived. So double win. <laughs> That's avoiding whammies if I ever heard one. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you love to see it. Uh, 89. What's a habit of yours you want to break? Hmm. This is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's so many directions I could go. Well, I would like to not drink wine most days of the week, but then again, wine's just so good. It's really good. And it's not that bad for me. My cholesterol levels are excellent, according to my doctor. So mm-hmm. got that going for me. And I was like, well, I could go like hygiene and say I'd really like to actually wash my face and take care of my skin <laughs> every night before bed. That seems like a good habit, but that's not like a break habit. That's like a habit I want. Like, well, that doesn't really count. What's the habit I want to break? Um, I don't know, because like I have things I want to break, but I wouldn't call them habits. I have like, and I wouldn't call them idiosyncrasies. Most of them are like more like obsessive compulsive disorders. They're like disorders. So it's like mm. I want to break them, but like breaking them is not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I suffer from ADHD and I am in treatment for it and I see a doctor for it. But, and so I, what happens is that I interrupt a lot. So that'd be like something I would love to not do, love to like break that, but I wouldn't call it a habit. I'd call it like something that's just broken in my brain. <laughs> and it's like, well, how do I break the brokenness so that I'm fixed again? <laughs> the double negative works in this case, right? Yeah, it's like weird poetry. How do you break what is already broken? You don't. Um, I wish I had a like more clever answer, but I don't. No. Listen, I get it. I get it. Uh, question 90. Getting on the home stretch here. 
Have you ever lied on your resume? No. Wow. Solid. Well, number one in the class. You didn't have to. No. I mean, I <laughs> listen, we all, you know, maybe like use some inflammatory language. Yes. But <laughs> an outright lie? Never. I couldn't. I couldn't ever. No. Gotcha. My mom would like murder me in my sleep. <laughs> no, couldn't do it. 91. Have you ever punched someone in the face? I've slapped somebody in the face. I haven't punched somebody in the face. Mm, okay. Okay. Fine line there. Yeah. It is. Very different. Well, hands, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 92. Would you ever go to a nude beach? Yes. Yes, I would. Why not? Uh, 93. Somehow not the realest question. When was the last time you cried? Yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, postpartum, you know, my hormones are still out of out of control. I watch Encanto almost every day and still cry at the end. If you haven't seen Encanto, a wonderful film by Disney. Yes, my husband works at Disney, but he works in Disney games and doesn't work on Encanto. But sometimes he works on Encanto. That's my weird fast-talking disclaimer. Um, but it's just, it's just wonderful. Wonderful movie. I cry all the time. I cry about things like things that don't matter. I was just talking with my co-host at What's Good Games about this, Rihanna Manuel Pena, about how we feel like we've kind of turned into softies and how things that didn't bother us before or didn't make us upset before make us upset and bother us now. and you know, I find myself crying a lot more things that I never used to cry. And sometimes it's just hormones and sometimes it's just like I feel differently now about things than I did. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, you know? Yeah. Just absolutely. Uh, 94. What's something you've done and will probably never do again? Um, skydiving? Mm. I would probably never go skydiving again. Um, it was thrilling and exciting when I got to go, but I got to go in the most unique circumstances that I don't think could ever be topped. I was working on my very first production company that I started um, in the late um, 2000s, and I was working on a pitch for a show that is still that we still have the rights to um, with the Golden Knights of the United States Army, which for people who aren't familiar with the Golden Knights, they are an elite parachuting team. Basically, if you've ever been to a sporting event or a stadium and you've seen someone like parachute in and like land on the field, uh, it was probably a member of the Golden Knights um, representing the U.S. Army. And they essentially are these highly specialized like halo drop uh, parachute teams and we were working on a TV concept with them and the Department of Defense, and it was a really cool idea. And Ooh. they hosted our production team working on the show to come out and essentially skydive with them. And so we got to fly on an Army cargo plane out oh. to this base. And I got to go up in a plane with a member of the U.S. military who had done 40,000 jumps. 40, as my 000? tandem instructor yeah Holy cow. and so i was like 
if you ever feeling in safe hands, I was like, clearly <laughs> like this guy is going to make sure that I get on the ground yeah. <laughs> or, or literally die trying. Um, and I, it was such a magical experience being somebody who comes from a military family and having spent many, many years going to visit my mom on the air force base growing up and seeing planes and being around members of the armed forces. And it was just such a special thing to get to do. And I have like a video of it and like they gave me this commemorative plaque and, and everything. And it was just so special being able to kind of talk to these servicemen and women about like why they do what they do and what they love about being, you know, in the military, but also being part of the golden Knights. And I mean, you're just never going to like, you're never going to replicate that in a skydiving scenario. Right. So like, I feel like I can't ever do it again. That's incredible. You, yeah. I mean, you, did the intro to Metal Gear Solid 3. Like, that's in- <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, and it helped that my tandem instructor was fine. He was tall, <laughs> silver fox, so charming and so nice because I was nervous as fuck. I mean, why wouldn't you be? But we were at, I vividly remember we were like, you know, strapped together and he didn't even like give me a chance to like protest. We got up to the edge of the door and I'm looking as like the doors open. I'm looking down being like, Oh my God, I can't believe we're actually literally just going to jump out of the plane. And he's like, are you ready? And I was like, Oh, and he was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and then we literally just went. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> I didn't even no chance to think about it. <laughs> but I mean, here's a guy who like go- does like probably 10 jumps or more a day. Cause like when they're in training, they're like on the ground up, down on the ground up down like they just like make these laps all day long when they're training so it's like he's like i could do this with my eyes closed i was like please don't though (laughs) (laughs) for for me just leave it open please if you don't mind it was it was pretty special that sounds it yeah uh 95 best compliment you ever received this is tough because i've received so many wonderful messages from people about what's good games and what the idea and the entity of what's good in the community has meant to them um about how what we do or what i do has inspired them to start their own gaming group or to start their own podcast and that those to me are always the best compliments when the work that i do has inspired somebody else to do work uh and and in turn hopefully will inspire somebody else to do work and yeah. I think those are always the best compliments. Yeah. 96. Tell me a joke. All right, Bob. <clears throat> Two potatoes are standing on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. How do you know which one is the prostitute? I don't know. How do you know which of the, the two The one potatoes? with the sticker that says, Idaho. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Uh, you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) i love doing this show 97 97 used to be a question that i came up with that just wasn't very good so i took it i crumpled up i tossed it in the recycling bin and i replaced it with the listener question of the week and if any of our lovely listeners have a question they want to get used on a future episode 99 it's of course the number 99 questions pod on twitter 99 questions pod at gmail.com. Uh, so we have a wonderful question from the great Holden Hints, fan of the show, friend of the show, asking, if he were to have a filet mignon 
in Bordelais sauce. What's a wine that would pair well with it? Bordelais. Okay, that's an interesting, interesting, specific question. That's probably mm-hmm. not the word I'm working looking for. Bordelais is great. And it's nice because it's kind of tangy, too. It's not, like, super rich. Mm-hmm. Um, filet. So filet is a nice fatty cut. Really savory. I would say, I mean, you really, with, like, a cut of meat like that, with that kind of a sauce, you could go cab, which to me feels expected. <laughs> I would do something a little bit more, um, a little it's bit an, more exciting. Yeah, it's um, an event. Let's make yeah, it an event. I would, I would try something. I, I'd try a Malbec, I think would be really nice. Mm. Or even a Barbero would be really great. Um, depending on what style of Bordelais you're drinking, or you could go with a nice, um, you could go with like a French, just like a French big Bordeaux would be really nice too. Uh, now I want steak. <laughs> steak and wine does sound about perfect right now. Thanks, Holden, for getting it in our minds now. Uh, also, excellent question. Thank you. 98. What made you want to be who you are today? Just the desire to be a performer. I never envisioned that I would want to be somebody who works professionally in video games. I've been a lover of video games my entire life, but I was never shown that you can work in video games and have a career in video games, particularly as a woman. And I never thought that as an on-camera presenter and reporter that I would end up in this branch of entertainment news because I started out thinking I was going to be the next Lisa Ling. And that was like mm. my goal. It was like I loved Barbara Walters and Diane Sawyer, and there were so many wonderful women journalists to like look up to in broadcasting. But when I was in college and I was doing more investigative work, I quickly decided that I didn't want to spend my life struggling under the pressure and the stress of these real-world investigative stories. It takes a certain cut of person to do that work. And I have such respect for journalists who tell those important stories. But I was like, I don't think this is how I want to spend my life. I think I want to spend my life bringing joy to people and doing things that bring happiness and uplift people. And so I wanted to go into entertainment news and talk about things that make people happy. Distractions. All about (laughs) escapism, right? (laughs) And that's why I ended up in video games. And so I don't, you know, I don't, Really, I don't know if I have a good answer for that question. I think that was a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> I Thanks, dare Bob. say. Hey, anytime. Because uh, we're right here. We're, we're knock, knock, knocking on the final question, the top of the mountain, the titular question, if you will. Question 99. What do you want to be remembered for? I definitely want to be remembered for creating a path for other women to share their voices in the landscape of video game fandom. When I started out in video game media, there was very few women on camera. um, And it was a really tough place to be in an office environment, even if you weren't on camera. And I struggled. I struggled a lot being in these scenarios where I was told my fandom wasn't good enough. My knowledge wasn't good enough. I wasn't nerdy enough. I didn't know enough. My skills weren't good enough. 
And it beats you down. And it makes you think that you shouldn't be there and that you don't have a space. And I'm so glad that there are way more spaces today for women and other types of gamers, no matter how you identify, than there were when I started. But we clearly still have a long ways to go. And it's challenging because I think fandoms of all kinds, not just video games, but any type of art fandom that's subjective. I mean, look at movie, music, and TV fandoms can be pretty terrible to each other as well. Yeah. But there's a special breed of toxicity that exists in the fandom of video games that doesn't exist anywhere else. And it's troubling and discouraging. And I'm proud that the work that we've put into creating What's Good Games has kind of set a flagpole up for future creators to say, you can do this too. And there's a space for you to talk about video games. And I'm so glad that there's so many amazing creators out there that didn't exist when I started. And whether they are Twitch streamers or YouTubers or TikTokers or whoever, there's so many wonderful voices in video games now. And I love that. And I would love to be remembered for being somebody in the industry that helped make a place for those voices. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I can say, even from my perspective over here, that you're doing a wonderful, positive thing for the industry. And I keep on doing it for as long as you want to do it. Uh, uh, thank you. I'm going to try. We're working at it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Uh, Andrea, I'm fresh out of questions here. Uh, oh man, this was f- spectacular. Uh, sincerely, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This was an absolute pleasure. Uh, and like I said, keep doing what you're doing because I'm a fan. <laughs> but well, I appreciate it, and and I have no intentions of of stopping anytime soon. So if you're not already listening to the podcast, please come check out What's Good Games. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrea Renee if you want to see some more stuff. And Bob, thank you for inviting me. I know it was a challenge to get the scheduling lined up, but these were some fun conversations. The great, the legend, Andrea Renee, everybody. How amazing is she? She's just an absolute powerhouse out there right now follow everything she's doing please i wish i could talk to her more but the red light is on it's last call let's figure out what we learned here today we learned that you need outlets like this to teach the youth of the world about the things that aren't around anymore like caller's cards or traveler's checks or joey lawrence's music we learned through andrea's amazing hosting ability that Having a stage presence is a lot like eating a Kit Kat. If you don't break it down into smaller pieces, you're just doing yourself a disservice. We learned that teenage girls' self-esteem is a wild roller coaster. We learned that you don't want to mess with a Ouija board. And we learned that Olive Garden is an institution in this country, dang it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to figure out how to be a internet extravaganza myself and I think I have to burn this list of questions I'll see you again in two weeks for our next episode until then thank you and good night
Like that, thinking toad. <laughs>